Hello, and welcome to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the mostess, Bree James. I've got Dr. Harvey back and we're talking helping toddlers love going to bed and staying there, which is one of the, I guess, challenges of the toddler years. They're no longer stuck in their crib. They can actually crawl crawl out over the side sometimes, which, you know, once that starts happening, it's a real challenge to keep that toddler in bed. Tell me how much just how much sleep do toddlers need? Because you know they've stopped they stopped doing some of their naps and all sorts of things. So it could be a bit of a challenge. But how much, in essence, do they need to have every day? Um, I guess the best answer, Bree, is that they need more. <laughs> it never feels like enough. Um, um, they are uh, usually getting around um, thirteen hours or fourteen hours a day. Um, which is pretty interesting when you think about it, because that's about what a six-month-old gets as well. And so what tends to happen is that they don't really have less and less sleep as they go from later infancy into toddlerhood, but the sleep shifts from more daytime sleep and naps, as you said, to to where they have fewer naps, and then and then finally they're giving up the naps. So, um, but the total amount of sleep in a day will will still pretty much stay around, you know, 13 hours or 14 hours. It, it, it doesn't usually go much below 12 hours. 11 hours would be on the lower side. Because they're pretty active toddlers, or many of them. Um, so, you yeah. know, they, they do, um, I guess, need that deeper, longer sleep, like you said. But sometimes it is a real challenge to get them to go to bed. Have you got any tips and advice for parents listening right now about a great bedtime routine to get them to go to bed a little bit easier? Sure. Yeah, I think there are a lot of things that can be helpful. Um, First of all, um, understanding that there's no good reason why they should want to go to bed, right? I mean, let's let's be honest. The party is going on in the living room. Yes, FOMO, exactly right. Uh, I mean, who wants to go into your dark room by yourself while everybody else is having a party in the other room? So it, it's not it's not unusual that they would resist going to bed. So that's 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 the premise. And so you do have to make it more appealing. And um, of course, every every child's different. Some of them are just ready to go to sleep at at, at seven o'clock. Um, but others are really um, more interested in playing. Also, it, there are different sleep types. Um, in other words, some kids are more night owls. They have a hard time waking up in the morning, but they really want to stay awake at night. Other kids are, are, are larks where they get up early and they're up before, before the, the, uh, the rooster is growing. And then they kind of just collapse at 6.30 at night. So partly you do have to kind of figure out what your child's preference is. But anyway, so when it comes to sleep routine, there are lots of, lots of important things. One thing is sleep routine, bedtime begins after breakfast. Um, and what I mean by that is that what you do during the day is going to affect what happens at night. So getting outside getting fresh air, getting sunlight exposure. Um, bright sunlight kind of sets the, the, the clock inside the brain to 
expect to be awake during the day, and that then leads to being sleepy at nighttime. Light is very, very important for setting the brain. Have you ever heard of this um, this um, supplement called melatonin? Yes, I've I've taken that uh -huh. in the past. It's an it's a <laughs> to help me get to sleep. Uh huh. Yeah, people do. They take it to help them sleep. They often take it with uh, to get over jet lag to kind of get your brain reset mm -hmm. um, when you're in a new time zone. And so it turns out that the brain has this natural sleep hormone, uh, melatonin, and it's released when darkness comes. And it makes you start getting tired and start feeling like you're getting ready to go to sleep. When there's sunlight and bright light, it reduces your melatonin and so you're not feeling tired and that's why people tell you when you go traveling and you're in a new time zone try to get out don't just go to sleep even though you're tired get outside get some good sunlight that's going to help reset your clock um so it turns out that light is very very important get out during the day get your kids um, playing and running and breathing the fresh air so that's one good thing the second good thing is um, kind of avoiding, um, well, let's put it this way, giving them good nutritious food, not too much junky food. Um, sugar uh, can be a problem for some kids. It does tend to make them more wired and then they have a harder time settling down. To be sure, caffeine and caffeine-like um, products, so cola or iced tea, can be tricky for some kids, just like for some adults, and can actually last in their system for 12 hours and make it hard for them to go to sleep, even though they only had that iced tea, you know, at, at 11 or 12 o'clock earlier in the day. Um, and then what's very important is paying attention to the nighttime cues in terms of light and sound. So remember light disrupts or interferes with your melatonin. So if you're watching a lot of television or for adults, if you're on the computer or you have bright lights on in the house, that's gonna reduce your melatonin. If you start darkening the rooms, especially, you know, in, I mean, it's summertime. So during summertime, that's a little harder to do. People sometimes get blackout shades to kind of darken the room. Um, um, but otherwise you start wanting to turn the lights down about an hour before bedtime to start the brain recognizing that sleep is coming. You know how it used to be where you would sit around the fire? You know, imagine, you know, 20,000 years ago or something and everyone's sitting around the fire and then the fire gets more orange and low colored and it's dark out and, and then you just start getting tired and, and you're ready for bed. That light cue is very, very important. So, um, so parents can start darkening the rooms. Another cue is sound. And did you ever, do you ever use white noise or have you heard of people using white noise for sleep? Yes, I've used it with my children. It certainly helps. Mm -hmm. oh, that's good to hear. So millions of people use white noise. And when I say white noise, it's, it, it means, you know, just kind of think of the sound of rain on the roof. You know how people kind of like that sound or the, the, oh, the waves, you know, that's kind of relaxing for people. Even people, you know how they fall asleep in an airplane. Mm. That droning sound um, can be very calming for people. 
And, um, and it's important when you're thinking about using sound to pay attention to the quality of the sound. In other words, if it's too high pitched, high pitched sounds aren't so great for sleep. Mm. Um, they're great for getting your attention, right? Sirens, beepers, screams, alarms. High pitch is great for getting your attention, not very good for sleep. Low pitch rumbles are much better for sleeping. And so you can play a rumbly white noise. It might be, um, you know, a vacuum sound or a rain sound. And you can even wrap your iPad or your phone or whatever is making the sound in a sweatshirt or a, or a sweater to muffle it a little bit and filter out some of the high-pitched sounds that might be more irritating. But you can start that an hour before bedtime as well, just kind of in the background. So it's a, it's a subtle message to the brain that, that bedtime is coming. Um, and then you can play that all night long. When I, I really think of white noise as being kind of like a teddy bear. You know, a teddy bear is a, is a, is a little helper for kids to kind of cuddle up and have it with them so they don't feel so alone in the middle of the night. And the white noise is kind of like a teddy bear of sound that helps to accompany them all night long. So if they do wake up in the middle of the night, they don't have that total silence that's kind of disrupting and kind of unnerving for a lot of kids. They wake up and they hear that familiar sound and it kind of helps to reassure them to fall asleep. Um, but then, of course, there's the whole bedtime routine, which is you know, different for every family. But usually it's kind of, you know, put on your pajamas and brush your teeth and wash your face and um, or take a bath. And then we cuddle up and we read books or we sing songs or we say our prayers. And <clears throat> and then we get ready for for going to sleep. Here, your here's your little stuffed animal and the white noise is on and you say good night. Now, that's the way you wish it would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they need a drink, but, um, and then they need they're hungry, then they forgot something, and then they're going to tell you something. And, you know, that, that last half hour of nighttime goes for hours sometimes. <laughs> it, it can. It can. And so, but you can, but you, there are some strategies that you can have to kind of help avoid that. Number one, those what we call curtain calls where I need a, I didn't kiss daddy. I have, I have to pee. Uh, I'm thirsty, you know, <laughs> over and over again. That is um, common and they don't want to miss anything. So you can, for example, um, you can play along with that, but you don't have to do it instantaneously. So in other words, you can come in and say, oh, oh, yeah, you want to have a kiss with daddy? Okay, okay, sweetheart. Hold on just one second. I just need you to wait one second. I'll be right back, and then we'll go get daddy, and we'll give him a kiss. And then you go out, and you close the door just for, like, 10 seconds. And then you come back in, and you go, good waiting, sweetheart. Come on, let's go. We'll kiss daddy. And then over time, you can stretch that to 15 seconds and 30 seconds and 45 seconds. And usually what happens is they, they fall asleep while they're waiting for you. Um, that's tricky. I like that. Is, <laughs> it is a little bit tricky. Never use it for evil, only for good. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Not on your husband. Okay, little, got it. <laughs> right. Another little trick um, for kids, you know, once they're once they're three or or older, is to give them give them a reason to not come out of the bedroom. In other words, I like I like star charts a lot with kids where 
where you give them, you have a little chart you draw, you put it on the wall and they get a star during the day if they finish their breakfast or they put their clothes on all by themselves or they pick up their toys. You know, you have two or three things that you want them to do um, that they cooperate with, brushing their teeth. Um, and then you you could also have a star for, um, for um, staying in the bedroom. You're not coming out. Um, another way of, of kind of reinforcing that without a star for some kids, especially boys I do this with, they really like money and they like poker chips. And so I'll give them two poker chips when they go to bed. And I'll say, um, you know, if you, if you do want to come out, that's okay. Um, but you have to give me a poker chip. And then if you come out again, then you'll give me the other poker chip. If you have the poker chips in the morning, then I'll give you a special something. You'll get a special sticker. And if you get three stickers, we can go for an ice cream or, you know, you give them some incentive, um, something that would be interesting for them. And so then they have a little dilemma because there they are in their room. They're clutching their two chips. <laughs> they go, do I want to keep these for the morning or do I want to fork them over to my mom? And and it gives them a reason maybe for not coming out. Of course, they still can come out and you know, so it's not like you're locking the door, but you're giving them an incentive for not coming out. Because if you don't do anything, there's no incentive for them not coming out. It's more fun for them to come out. So you're trying to figure out a way to negotiate with them and give them a reason to, to stay in the bedroom. Um, so that's for a little bit older kids. But there is something, I, and I know for so many parents, the kids were great sleepers. And then at around 18 months, it all falls apart. And and um, and and you 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 know sing your lullabies and you read your stories and then they fall asleep and you tiptoe out of the bedroom and then the floor creaks and your child wakes up and it's it's all over again you got to start the whole routine um, because again they don't want to be by themselves you know it's it's not as much fun um, but there is a little technique and we have more information on our website happiestbaby.com about this technique that it's kind of has a funny name. I call it twinkle interruptus. Um, and, um, and I'll tell you how it got its name. One of my, one of the fathers in my practice told me about his baby, his toddler and how she would always wake up when he was trying to sneak out of the bedroom. And he said, doc, I've got to sing twinkle, twinkle a thousand times. And then I'm just walking out and she goes, Twinkle, and I've got to go back and do it another thousand times. So, in the, there's, there's a book I wrote called The Happiest Toddler on the Block, which is about kids eight months to five years of age. And I have to just, just as a joke, I mean, so many parents will buy books about babies. You know, you might buy, five, not that you read all the books, but buy five books about babies when you're going to be a new parent and never buy a book the rest of their child's life as if they're just winging it and there's nothing to learn. And I, and I love to joke with parents that I wish they would watch five hours less of Game of Thrones and five hours more of reading a book about toddlers because toddlers are harder than babies. They're more challenging. They're more differences in their personalities. So um, in The Happiest Toddler, there's a technique called patient stretching. And so patient stretching, it turns out if you want kids to learn to be more patient, 
most people think that you go, honey, just wait one second, I'll be right with you. That doesn't work as well as almost giving your child what they want. And at the last second, you say, oh, oh, wait one second, one second, and then you make them wait. So for example, um, your child wants the biscuit and their you know, hands are out and they're saying, mine, mine. And you go to offer them the biscuit and at the last second you go, oh, wait, honey, one second, one second, one second. And you pretend to turn your back and pretend to be busy just for three or four seconds. And then you turn around and you say, yay, good waiting, honey, here's the biscuit. What happens is that children learn Wow, waiting's not a big deal. I, I, you know, I waited three seconds, but then I got, I got what I wanted. And then you can stretch that to five seconds and 10 and 15 and 20 seconds. And kids learn that it's not a big deal to wait because usually they get the thing they want. So you do that for several days, like four or five times a day to, to help your child understand what it means when you go one second, one second, and you turn away. And then you, you, you institute that in the bedtime routine. So you're with your ba- your 18 month old and you say, you know, you read your stories and sing your songs and say night, night, and they get very upset when you're leaving. And then you might say to them, oh wait, one second, one second, one second, I just have to go across the room. I just have to see, one second, I'll be right back. And you turn your back and you go across the room um, away from the bedside, just for like three seconds, four seconds. And then you come back to them and you sing your songs and reassure them. But then a minute or two later, you do it again. Wait, oh, honey, just one second, one second. And then you go outside the door, literally just for one second. And then you come back in. They, they understand they're going to be waiting just a little bit. You come back in, so it's not a big deal. And then over the next two or three or four nights, you can stretch that to going outside five seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds. When you leave, you've got the white noise playing. And when you leave, you say, here, hold your teddy bear, hold your teddy. Mommy's going to be right back. Hold really, really tight. So they've got their little lovey there. And usually after three or four nights like that, they just fall asleep holding their teddy bear while you're outside the room. The reason I love this technique is because it, it works really well. I mean, for 80, 90% of kids, it's not 100%, but it's, it's pretty, pretty darn reliable. And you don't have to go through screaming, which is what everybody is kind of taught when their toddler isn't doing well and, and keeps demanding that they, that they stay in the room. You know, people are told to just, you know, you have to tough love it. And, and I think that that's really hard for parents and hard on the toddlers, too. Yeah, so true. I love that. That's really great advice for parents listening right now to try that. Because I, I guess patience is one of those things that we are becoming a very impatient society. So I think teaching children, you know, at that age to be patient is such a great skill for them to learn. Yeah, and they can learn it, but you have to do it in baby steps. Again, I know I, I presented a lot of information there, but but all of this can be, I mean, it's in the Happiest Toddler book, but you can read more on our website as well. Yeah, I love it. So is there any reason why t- children fight sleeping? Because obviously, and especially toddlers, I'm talking here, because I, I know most parents would be very keen for someone to put us to bed and have a quick nap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but why do they fight it so much? Is it just the FOMO or? Well, it, it's, it's the, it, there are different reasons. I mean, some kids fight it because of the social FOMO, like you're saying, they want to be part of the party. For other kids, 
they're very um, motoric. They really love to climb and walk and, and they're, it's like going skiing. You know, if you happen to like skiing, you want to ski all day. You don't just want to ski for an hour and then everyone else is, you know, out there on the slopes and you've got to put your skis away. It's so much fun to do these things. And then when you're tired, you also kind of lose your flexibility and patience. You're kind of on the ragged edge. And so, um, and so a child might not even, they may even want to go to bed, but they can't say yes. You know, they just become in this little negative mood and whatever you do is going to be the wrong thing because they're just overtired at that point. Um, some kids, as they get a little bit older, there's something else that happens, which, um, which can be fears. Around four to five years of age, um, children sometimes develop fear of dogs and, and bad men and monsters and ghosts and things like that. And, um, and so you, you have to sometimes help them through those fears. Um, and there are many different ways of doing that with dream catchers. And you can just take a spray bottle of water and call it magic spray and you're spraying the room, you know, to get rid of the, to get rid of the, the, uh, the monsters uh, using a nightlight and having a teddy bear and using white noise. Those are all good things to do. I, I would just say one thing that, that's always a concern to pediatricians, which is if a child, um, you know, four, five, six, starts to develop nighttime fears, um, you always want to scratch your head too and think, you know, is everything okay in their life during the day? Is anyone mistreating them or bullying them or touching them in a way that, you know, they shouldn't be? And so sometimes that type of fear behavior at night is a sign to savvy parents that, hmm, let me just investigate this a little bit more and make sure that, you know, nothing's going on at school or in some other situation that is, is making my child feel insecure. Such great advice because sleep is so important. I think, you know, when we're before children, we, uh, we fight about other things, but as parents, we fight about who got up last for the children and sleeping and who gets to sleep in, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's really yeah. important that we get our kids to sleep better, especially our toddlers and infants. So thank you. Any parting words, any parting advice for parents listening right now, struggling with their, with their toddler in particular, sleeping through the night? Uh, well, I would just say one, one nice one, the, the, the more you have sweet things happening at night, the easier it is for your child to fall asleep. So for sure, use the white noise and the teddy bears and things like that. Um, there's a technique that I love called bedtime sweet talk, which is when you're cuddled up, and this is really for a two-year-old or older, but you kind of just cuddle up and you talk about two or three things that went well that day and, and something that they're looking forward that might be fun the next day. And, and as they're going to sleep, you can, you're telling them, you know, what they did well. So they go to sleep feeling proud of themselves and feeling respected and appreciated. And that's like planting a little seed of self-worth um, that, you know, when you're ready to go to sleep, your brain is more open and receptive. And I think it's just a lovely, lovely um, routine or habit to get into where you where your child ends the day feeling proud of themselves and good about what they've accomplished. I think it's a great advice for parents to do with themselves as well. I love that. Yes. Yeah, you're quite right. 
<laughs> Thank Super. you so much, Dr. Harvey Karp, thehappiestbaby.com.au. Heaps of great resources, heaps of amazing books. Um, so make sure you go and check it all out. But thank you so much again for all your amazing insights and being on the show. So great speaking with you, Bree. You take care. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you want to be an expert guest or you've got a weird, wacky or wonderful product to share, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at pacmag.com.au. This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website, pacmag.com.au.